Media Plus from the Mac Observer. It's our weekly look at the world of digital media and Apple's place within it with your host, Charlotte Henry. And today I'm very excited to be joined by a fellow London resident. It's Dave Marston from the London Evening Standard newspaper. Hello, Dave. Hey, Charlotte. How you doing? Very good. Very pleased to have you here. Now, I've introduced you as from the Evening Standard newspaper, which mm-hmm. is true. But you don't really do have anything to do with the printed product newspaper, which still goes out every day. Tell us about your role within the London Evening Standard. Well, I'm the head of audio at the Evening Standard here in London. So I create, I'm the executive producer of our two daily podcasts, Tech and Science Daily, which the wonderful Charlotte Henry has turned up a couple of times, giving us a lowdown on what's going on with Mac issues, of which there are often quite a few. Um, and I also run our daily news podcast, The Leader, which I occasionally present as well. And then there's a whole load of other stuff that we do. We're working with uh, Google, for example, on, on news for their Google Assistant and lots of other things there too. So it's it's a busy, varied job as head of audio, but I do occasionally do stuff for the newspaper. I write book reviews. So you, oh, very good. So you, um, I turn up in the printed publication sometimes too. They sometimes let you in print. But I want they, to unpack this idea that a newspaper has a head of audio, which on the face of it sounds like such a bizarre title to have at a newspaper. But in the modern media world, most newspapers do have that. Uh, the place most people's mind, I imagine, go to will be the New York Times and the Daily and their growing uh, roster of podcasts. But breaking down the idea, how has audio become such a key part of the newspaper industry? I think it's really exciting, actually. You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to work for newspapers, but I have a condition called dyspraxia, which means that I have difficulty writing. So I have to had trouble with shorthand. Uh, so I was never able to go into newspapers. I went into broadcasting instead because I didn't have to write stuff down. I just did it with microphones and cameras and things. So it's really exciting for me that technology is now caught up with my disability and allowed me to work not just inside a newspaper, but to take quite a prominent role inside the newspaper as well. One of the most exciting things to me when I started the Evening Standard was I was brought in at quite a high level. So I went to the editorial meetings first thing in the morning. So that's the things that are going to be appearing in the newspaper and sitting there with the editors and the editor uh, and talking with through of what 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 how what's going to be covered and and how we're going to be covering it, uh, and I've just really enjoyed doing. I really enjoyed doing that. It's been a, a very interesting phase of my career, and one that I know when I was fifteen, I would be so excited to have been part of. Especially at something like the Evening Standard, which is like a big icon of London. Yeah, like two hundred for- years. Yeah, for people who are not like Dave and I in London, the London Evening Standard is quite a it's a stalwart. It's a key kind of part of the city and the city's media landscape. It comes out every evening, as the title suggests. People, you know, it survived lockdowns and people not commuting, which is where lots of people used to pick it up. Um, it's a huge. It went from being over the years to being a paid publication to a free sheet, a free newspaper. It's evolved a lot, but it has kind of always survived and been a key part of London's media ecosystem. Um, I actually have very funny memories of my dad coming home every evening years and years ago when I was living with my parents and the thing he'd plonk on the table when he got home was always a copy of the evening standard he'd picked up at the tube station and that's kind of how embedded that publication is in the city's life but I think 
the way it's transformed of, you know, we could talk about obviously the online and digital offers and all that, and that's all true. But this move to audio where that's become, as you described, for people who don't work in newspapers, the idea that someone who produces podcasts for a newspaper would sit in the daily editorial meeting where they decide that goes on the, what goes on the front and back pages and what, you know, runs ideas past the, the top editor at the paper. That is a hugely significant indication of how people see podcasts with within various publications now i think yeah no it is and, and we were talking there about the position of the evening stand how your dad brought it home when we came up with the leader podcast which is a daily podcast i wanted to tie it to those traditions the evening standard for 200 years has come out i think the the, the deadline is at 11 o'clock in the morning so the journalists all start here at five some of them are in from three and that kind of stuff yeah the sound you can hear in the background is the news journalists on crying in the background <laughs> yeah, sobbing into exactly. their keyboards exactly. we were recording at about 11 o'clock in the morning here in London yeah. time yeah we are recording as they're hitting deadline right now that is a good point Charles. Uh, so yes there is a lot of stress journalists out there in the background but when we created the leader daily podcast unlike other daily podcasts which come out in the morning I wanted it to reflect that tradition of the standard being um, one of the first kind of considered pieces that comes out on today's current events. So the leader comes out at four o'clock in the afternoon instead of six o'clock in the morning. And that sounded like a great idea, but of course it created a whole bunch of problems for me because when you set yourself that kind of deadline for a podcasting team and then, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning, the the, the newspaper has set its front page, but then it changes it at 10 to 11. And suddenly you have to throw out everything you've done and redo your entire podcast. It can be very, very difficult. But most of the time we do hit that four o'clock deadline. So if you're a subscriber to the leader uh, or follower, as we call them these days, then it should pop up at four o'clock on your Apple podcast or your Spotify or whatever. But sometimes it might be 10 minutes late. And I'm really sorry about that. But you, that's usually <laughs> Now you know who to blame. But yes. um, let's talk about the format of the leader, because, you know, obviously here at the Mac Observer, we produce a daily podcast where we just, you know, delve into one or two topics that we have been writing and talking about at the Mac Observer. It's about, you know, 20 minutes long. The New York Times, the Daily, uh, Guardian have a politics podcast as well. Those are slightly longer format. You're mm-hmm. quite strict with the timings of the, the content you put out. Yeah, so we've the, the leader's been through two kind of format changes. Uh, and the COVID was the, the thing that, that prompted the second format change. But it began as a 15-minute podcast with two or three stories inside there, kind of like a big feature interview, maybe a little package, and then something fun off the back. And the idea was it was 15 minutes long because that's generally what people's commute is. So it's all based around commuter audiences because the Evening Standard itself uh, is a very much a commuter-focused newspaper. So we kept it to 50 minutes because that's the length of a journey. However, when COVID turned on, people stopped commuting. They were staying at home. We kind of found that people still wanted to listen to podcasts but they might not want a 15-minute thing. It's either got to be very short, so we made the leader around about eight minutes long or longer so that they've got that on in the background during their office. So, you know, that those the long-form podcasts are doing really well. So it's either the short podcasts that are doing well 
or the long form podcasts are doing well. We found the stuff in the middle, that sort of 15, 30 minute, 20 minute thing that wasn't working so effectively. So that's why the leader became very, very short and then focused on one subject. So instead of a five minute interview at the beginning and then a couple of other things, we made that an eight minute long um, interview or sometimes like a little mini documentary because that's kind of the the length that people were listening to our, our stuff from. And the other point about it is um, it's, it is very much an audio version of your newspaper's front page, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Which is not necessarily the way our other publications have gone. You know, I'm looking at, say, the lineup recently for The Daily, and, you know, they've got an in-depth interview with Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, you, you know, they're about half an hour long and some are even 45 minutes long, the episodes, whereas you're very strict and it really is like the kind of splash on the newspaper, isn't it? That's the kind of spirit of the whole show. Yeah, I wanted it to be the the leader certainly is very much tied to the editorial. The 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 leader, the the name the leader is what right. in newspapers you call the editorial column. Um and the editorial column giving the newspaper's the, view. Yes, the, the, the thing that gives the newspaper's view. And in the Evening Standard's editorial column, because we have such a strong political background, because we're next to Westminster, because you know we have the ear of cabinet ministers, um, it's a very powerful statement. So when we called the podcast the leader, we were saying this is very much the voice of the newspaper. And, we, and, it, and it is very closely reflecting what the newspaper is covering and also what the newspaper itself is thinking. It's that analysis which for 200 years has been some of the earliest analysis you get on mm. big breaking news stories. So we just wanted to take that tradition and put it into an audio format. And, and it does, I think, really live up to that spirit of the newspaper. Um, again, I'm looking at the Guardians Today and Focus podcast, actually, again, pushing half an hour most days. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, ver- it's a very different vibe. And it's, I think it really works. I've always enjoyed it. Um, yeah. The other one I kind I'm... of feel like I kind of feel like that if you're going to be listening to a half hour long podcast or an hour long podcast, you're, you're making some kind of big commitment there. Mm. Whereas the leader is something you can put on on your way home um, and sure. just have and just dive in. And sometimes it might not cover something you're not interested in, and that's fine. But sometimes it will. So take you know, subscribe to it, take a look, and take a listen as well. Yeah, and I suppose actually talking of short form podcasts on a previous episode of this show, which is obviously not short form, I spoke mm-hmm. to um, Ollie Mann who produces the retrospectors and is the one of the hosts on the retrospectors, which is a kind of 10 minute look at a day in hit what happened that day in history. Yeah, it's really good. I've heard that. Part. Really yeah. good, really fun. But again, hits that kind of sweet spot you're describing of you don't, it's not a massive commitment, but something really enjoyable that you get, you know, a couple of nuggets of information out of and get something for, for your kind of 10, 12 minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an interesting trend. Obviously, as I say, here we have more long form podcasts, but that's, you know, they're more in depth discussion topics. So it's a different way of presenting the information. And that works with your audience because right. they're coming back to you to learn what's happening, uh, observing the Mac. Exactly. So and here yeah. are, here are, you know, are the various debates and some, you know, sometimes heated debates between the various <laughs> Mac observer members of staff. Yeah. Um, and let's talk, you know, you as you said, you did you do two daily shows. 
tech, <laughs> and the other one is tech and science, which you've been very kind to let me on a couple of times. Why did that seem a suitable topic? As this, you know, you could have done a daily sport one. We, you know, yeah, you could. Um, why did you decide that tech and science was the one that needed another daily show? Well. Right at the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned to you that we were working with Google. So we right. do news content for Google in the United States. Um, and our tech and science stuff did really, really well. So I was looking at just experimenting with um, – it's almost like repurposing content that already exists. So this is a show I could create with a minimal effort and just see how it does – so we just took what we were recording for Google anyway, put it all together, made it a nice little package, threw some glossy music and sound effects, gave it a sense of humor, and put it out. Um, and it did huge numbers. It was picked up by Spotify for their daily drive playlists. Um, and people loved it. And we have massive numbers of people listening to that. We've put extra resources into it. We've started doing outside broadcast things. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just been... I, it was a, it's an experiment that went right effectively, and that's interesting because you wouldn't have thought you don't think of the Evening Standard as being a, a major tech journalism or mm. tech as being a part of the Evening Standard. You kind of think politics and culture and theatre are probably the big things in the Evening yeah. Standard. Yeah, but we oh, but just happened to do this quite well. So interesting. It, it, it's really fascinating because you'd have thought, as you say, obviously being in London, culture, obviously politics, culture. And I would have thought, you know, given the number of football teams in London, that a daily sport podcast might have been the mm-hmm. avenue you went down, you know, so you had the front and the back page of the paper reflected in podcast form. But um, I mean, obviously, I'm thrilled that the tech is the one that people picked up. <laughs> and obviously, the tech scene and the tech, you know, lots of people reading the Evening Standard will work in the tech industry within London. It's a huge yeah. part of London's economy. So in that sense, it makes sense. It does make sense. But when you think about it, it makes sense, but it's not the first thing you might It think wouldn't have been, no. Sport is, you know, I sat down and I looked at what can we do with sport because uh, the Evening Standard's huge in sport. It's a big name in sport. But the thing about sport, Charles, is there are so many well-established um podcasts in mm. football particularly that it's really hard to make any headroom and you'd have to put a lot of resource we can do it but there's a lot of resource we'd have to put behind that to 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 make it stand out amongst those rivals so you know we're we're, we're still looking at what we could do in that space we could have you charlotte hosting a tottenham podcast for example don't put ideas in my head this, this is dangerous <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a crowded marketplace. Um, and it's kind of, do I need to go there? What are the kind of other interesting mm. areas we can do? Tech and science came up and we it just hit, it hit, it just hit in a massive way. And there we were the number one tech podcast on Spotify, beating Brian Cox's uh, <laughs> infinite monkeys podcast, infinite Monkey. all of them. We were there right at the very Not top. Not that you're yeah. proud of that, but. You did be Brian, Professor Brian Cox. Um, <laughs> as you're describing the success of this, what a thought comes to mind, which is, do you think, again, the context of COVID and people having a deeper interest in science and technology drove some of that success? It was a time where really, you know, scientists were the people we wanted to hear from in a way we previously hadn't, even though we probably should have been. It mm-hmm. was a time where technology was 
dictating absolutely everything we could and couldn't do and who we could and couldn't communicate with. I, I wonder just off the top of my head if that was a part of it. I think so. You could see that in the analytics. So especially uh, near the beginning of what was going on with this pandemic, clearly we have science in our tech and science title. So we were doing a lot of what is this emerging mm. illness that's coming out here? Is it going to be a pandemic? It is a pandemic. What's happening? And we had access to top doctors and things who were kind of explaining things. We spoke to people on and off about whether face masks work or not. We were there at the very beginning. All of these arguments that people have had we have been part we have uh have played our part in trying to get the, the best information out there to people and you can see that those particular ones those explainer things were doing better than other ones and that yeah. obviously introduces people to the tech and science daily then it becomes part of their daily habit they start listening to it it's just there all the time they know at one o'clock this podcast has got some interesting stuff and it pops up Fantastic. But yeah, COVID definitely propelled things forward for that one. Yeah, I can well imagine. Um, I want to dig into that relationship you described with Google, and I want to talk about the kind of actual logistics of what a new uh, audio team at a newspaper looks like. But first, a word from our sponsors. This week's show is sponsored by Coinbase. Cryptocurrency might feel like a secret or exclusive club, but Coinbase believes that everyone, everywhere, should be able to get in the door. Whether you've been trading for years or are just getting started, Coinbase can help. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy-to-use platform to buy, sell and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies on the market and make them accessible to everyone. Coinbase offers portfolio management and protection, learning resources and a mobile app so you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place. Whether you're looking to diversify just getting started or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase. For a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com slash media plus. Sign up at coinbase.com slash media plus for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's coinbase.com slash media plus. Thanks to Coinbase for supporting this episode. I'm back with David Marston, the head of audio at the London Evening Standard newspaper. Yes, that is a real title, and it's an increasingly important title in a various numbers of outlets. So let's dig into it. Can you disclose how many people are now working on audio at the London Evening Standard? Uh, yeah, we have five people working here, which I mean, we started with one, me. Uh, and over the last couple of years things have got so more successful and we've branched out into doing more things so we're going to be doing more like i said to you we know that people listen to eight minute podcasts but we also know that people listen to hour-long podcasts mm. so we're going to be looking at doing more of that longer form stuff so i have a team of five people who are working away uh right now on some really exciting kind of long-form documentary series type stuff, the kind of things Fantastic. with really good journalism behind them that I think people are going to be really, really interested in, in, in hearing. Yeah, fantastic. I look forward to listening to those. And you talked about your relationship producing audio news for Google. Could you, mm -hmm. Are you able to explain that a little bit more? 
Yeah, so we work with Google on a thing that they call Your News, and it's only available in the United States at the moment. So when you speak to your Google Assistant in the US uh, and ask for the, My News, effectively, it'll put together what is, it's a bit like a top-of-the-hour radio news bulletin, but all the content comes from different providers, and we're mm-hmm. one of those providers. So you'll hear some US news, and then you might get a bit of foreign news from us, and then you'll get a bit of entertainment news from somewhere else, and then some sport. And it will kind of run down that, that that thing like that, and that's been really interesting, really exciting because we're working in that brand new voice assisted space, mm. which uh, I mean it's been up and running for a few years now, but people are still figuring out how it's going to work and what how people are interacting with their Google assistants and your Alexas and your Bixby's on Samsung and all that kind of stuff. How do these things work? Your Siri. On I'm your, trying to on work out how many things you devices you've just sent off in the last ten seconds. I'm gonna have a load of angry there emails. There are so that... many, but like, how many? How are people? You, I'm. This is why I'm really interested. Clearly, there's a lot of money going into voice AI. Um, oh. Apple kind of pioneered all this with Siri, didn't they? But how are people using it? Are people using it? What are they asking for when they're looking for the news? Are they saying Siri, give me the news, or do, or do they really want Siri? What's telling me what's going on with Joe Biden right now? Siri, what's yeah. happening at the White House? Siri, is Kamala Harris really as unpopular? as CNN said she was yesterday that is it are people talking to these things in wide scope or is it much more granular are they asking specific questions and that's kind of I think it's a really exciting area to be involved in Um, and I'm really interested in seeing what how seeing how these things evolve yeah I mean it for sure it's an area we know Apple not only as you say kind of one of the early players in but one that we know they're keen to adopt further we've seen a little bit of the equivalent of the new audio news product that you were describing from Google Mm. with Apple Uh, again I think it's just still just based in the US I don't think we can get hold of it here in the UK but clearly that idea particularly as people get on the move again of people wanting to just be a while they're walking around know what's going on in the world without having to have their phone in front of their face is clearly an area of development isn't it yeah, it is. And it's more than, you know, Alexa, turn my light bulb on. Yeah. There's, some, there's, there's something bigger than that. Because effectively, your phone is going to become the operating system of your house. It's going to oh, run God. absolutely everything. Terrifying, but probably true. <laughs> I think it's quite exciting. I've got a robot Hoover that pro- that's programmed. Oh, my. I mean, yeah. Every day, every day yeah. it comes out. It's, little, it's got like a little mouse thing. It comes out. I, I have Hoover. colleagues that are big fans of their robot Hoovers. Yeah. I refuse to get one because I'm convinced it's going to eat me in my sleep. <laughs> I'm told that they don't. I'm told I'm wrong and the Hoover is fine. So far, I've not, but that's that's voice commanded as well. My fridge is kind of, I've got a smart fridge. Um, what? I've got all the, yeah, I've this got is a not the way fridge. the conversation I thought was going to happen, but sure. <laughs> but I, that, that to me, it's genuinely interesting. So our phones are going to control our houses and they're going to be where we get our content from, aren't they? Already, right. I, can, I, can, I can say, um, Alexa, turn on my television or turn on TV. I can say, play whatever thing I want. But actually, what I want to be able to do is go, um, Siri, explain to me the Northern Ireland conflict. You know, <laughs> something like that. Come oh, if you could see Charlotte's face. But exactly. It needs to be it needs to be smart enough to be able to navigate those deeply controversial areas for everyone. And it's not right now, is it? It's not. No. 
uh, and all the produce, you know, we're not going to go too deep into Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse, but I no. think all the people who work on these kind of projects accept that AI and audio AI and smart audio, that, that world is only really at the inception stage. We're only really yeah. so, we think it's amazing now and in lots of ways it is, but it's so early on in the process. But that's the exciting time to be sure, Absolutely. And the effect it me, could have on journalism is fascinating. It could be absolutely fascinating, couldn't it? It could be incredible. I mean, it could lead to new ways to interact with your with with newspapers. Yeah, you know, We could end up having virtual conversations with our audience based around the content that we're putting in there. It's, it's, it's just fascinating. The best time to work on these things is when nothing works. And there are, and, and that's it because then you're creating the rules that further on down the line. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. Absolutely. Yeah. Taking a, a little diversion. Can you imagine what do you think is the value of being part of a general podcast stream. So you mentioned you're on Spotify, you're on Apple Podcasts, you're on very, you know, all different outlets. Um, I think you guys, we can get the Evening Standard podcast on Deezer as well, all sorts yeah. of things, um, which is one approach. And I, I'm seeing the New York Times are testing out their own audio app. What do you think is the value of having your own kind of proprietary bit of software or having, you know, your podcast in as many places as possible, but it's kind of less owned by you, that space. Always the middle ground that the kind of things like The Athletic do, where you can listen to the podcast within their app, but also they're generally available and slight, you know, some with adverts and whatever. How do you see that kind of balance? Well, John, it's interesting that here in the UK, I mean, you were talking about the New York Times there, but of course the BBC has launched BBC BBC Sense, Sounds, absolutely. Which is the audio version of its iPlayer. So it's it's kept, it keeps control of its shows and it, it can push things out. Although can you, can, you can get BBC podcasts mm-hmm. in all the other podcast outlets we just named. Yes, yes, you can do. But, you know, the BBC can't act as a commercial rival, so it kind of has no. to things out there for people to to access and wait but, but if you listen to the bbc app. radio but, or watch bbc television the thing they push is the bbc yeah. sounds app at the very top of every single show you can listen to this on bbc Absolutely. sounds or on your radio or online so they're really pushing that bbc sounds app very Absolutely. much and i can see why they're doing that they're also working on their own voice ai system Um, which is really interesting as well. So the BBC is developing what it will not call a rival to Alexa and it will not call a rival to Siri because it can't, but it is. So you'll be able to access BBC content through this new BBC uh, voice assistant that they're creating as well. So you can see it's about once you have people captured into your ecosystem, it's really hard to break them out. And you can see that with um, Apple. Apple pioneered podcasting, and it's still the number one driver. Spotify's chucked, I don't know, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't even want to know how many zeros are after those numbers. And that's just Joe Rogan. Yes, just with Joe Rogan's fear. And he's not the only one. There's loads, they've thrown yeah. so much money at really big-name podcasters. But that's what it's taken to break into Apple's market. That's what they've had to do. And, and on all kinds of innovations like the Daily Drive that we work with them on. And, Spot, and, and Apple is now having to play. And it's still dominant. I don't think it's massively worried. But it's still it's having to play catch-up in its own market that it created. 
Mm. Which is which is again another really exciting time because that what sort of opportunities are going to come up for podcast creators, particularly in um, show discovery, making sure that your show gets put in front of people. What can Apple do? What can Spotify do? They're, they're all working really hard on creating that, and that makes it great for people like me because it means there's going to be opportunities for my shows to get better marketing and get larger. You haven't quite answered my question. First of all. I have a. I have to point out that if uh, if my colleague Dave Hamilton was here, he would say Apple didn't create podcasts, but they did make it easier for people to get them. And yeah. the the original set of podcasters, I think, were probably quite grateful for that. But um, there was podcasts via RSS feeds and stuff happening before Apple invented the yeah. iPod. But the other thing is, he didn't quite answer this idea of whether you think there is value in having your own app and audio product. Oh, so if the Evening Standard had its own... Right. Uh, Evening Standard had its own kind of platform. Yeah, there would, there would be value in that because people can access stuff and you can push your own things. I don't know because it would cost us such a lot of money. I don't, know yeah. I don't know if it's something that we should necessarily pursue because I can use the strength of Apple. I can use the market strength of Spotify mm. to use them to push uh, my shows to audiences. That Because, I mean, if you create your own ecosystem, then you have to bring people into it. And yeah. that's what I was saying about Spotify. It's cost them hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah to bring people to the Spotify ecosystem from Apple. And, you know, a newspaper would have to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to do the same thing. The New York Times with the Daily has, um, it does have, you know, something that people have created a habit around. So I can see why they might think there might be a market for this and for bringing people in. I'd be interested to see how successful that is, mm. whether people will just use a New York Times app as opposed to I can have, New York Times and the Washington Post and all of this available to me on on you know what what's what's going to pull them away from using Apple Podcasts when they have all of that content. Yes, there. indeed. That um, would be that's the interest. I'm sure that I'm sure they've thought of that. I'm sure they've they've figured it out and they've got it. But it'd be interesting to see what what they offer to people. I mean, is this part of going to be part of their subscriber efforts? Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. You know, yeah. it, it is very different for a publication like yours, which is entire, you know, both in terms of the print product and the online product is not paywalled and not paid for. And no, it's not. It's, it, yeah, it's all it's, free. We've been working on a free model for a, a really long time. Really long time. Um, and NYT obviously went. Is a subscriber. It's a very successful as a subscriber and across here in the UK, the Times and the Sunday Times are both also yep. very good at subscribing. Interesting that they launched Times Radio, which is free to everybody. Yes. And available on all kind of platforms, whereas... It looks like the New York Times is going down that subscriber route and exclusive content to subscribe. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so the Times Radio is exactly as it sounds. It's a very conventional commercial radio station. Yeah. Doing um, really well. They had his radio figures out. Yeah, they are doing very well. Um, but it is, you know, you hear Times, I'm talking about the Times of London now, yeah. um, present, you know, it's under that branding. They have writers and columnists from that paper presenting shows and whatever else. And it's it's an interesting model. But um what it tells me is that all this whole conversation just shows me how fascinating the kind of merge between print products and audio products has become and really 
I mean, it's such an obvious thing to say, but this kind of conversation really outlines it is just how much any media outlet is now a multimedia outlet and you can't really just do one thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm really grateful, Dave, that you could join me. Um, Obviously, for listeners, you can go to look at the London Evening Standards website. I'll include links to the shows Dave has mentioned in the show notes as well. And thank you for joining me and do subscribe to the show and we'll see you next week.